0: All right. Welcome, everyone, to a not usual edition of Tori Says. I'm doing it on a Saturday since I was away all week. So it is Saturday, the 9th of January, and it's 9 o'clock Eastern time. And I thought it would be a perfect time uh, to go live because the president is supposed to be addressing us today. So I thought we would start with a little bit of Newsmax where they're going over uh, the censorship that all of us have been victim of. I kind of warned about it when I got on the airplane. I said it's happening, and I tweeted that out. An hour later, well, well, when I boarded, after I boarded, whatever, uh, I saw that General Flynn was banned, and the minute I tweeted out it's happening, that he was banned, boom, I was gone. So uh, it's quite interesting to listen to what Newsmax has to say about it. It's quite interesting. Take a listen.
1: The we have seen this week has sparked a lot more outrage. Twitter, Facebook, and other tech giants have set a very dangerous precedent by censoring the President of the United States, banning him in a lot of cases. In the last 72 hours, it started with the President's personal account being suspended and then ultimately banned by Twitter. Now, the tweets on his government-run account are also being deleted. If social media networks have the power to ban the leader of the free world, the question is what's stopping them from banning any of us? Just for our political beliefs, joining us now to discuss this is our panel: Dan Gainer, VP of MRC Tech Watch, and also Phil Klein, Director of the Amistad Project. Guys, good to see you. Uh, Dan, uh, how big can big tech get? Does it does it get much bigger than where it's at now with banning the leader of the free world?
2: Well, I mean, it can ban all of us. It could ban all of us today if it wanted to. And these are the most powerful companies in human history. Think about that. Uh, You know, the British East India Company famously conquered India and they're more powerful. Facebook, 2.7 billion customers. Google controls search for 92% of the world. And so what they've decided collectively, and Twitter, of course, reaches all the influencers. They've decided collectively that conservative speech must be shut down. So they start with the president, but they've gone after several other prominent accounts. Uh, You know, some of the, some prominent conservatives have shut down sort of in sympathy, but look who's still on, the leader of Iran, who has called for the genocide of Israel, the you know the embassy of China, which both blamed the U.S. military for the COVID virus, and then rationalizes genocide against the Uyghur Muslims.
1: It's crazy. I, I was just telling Mark here during the break, I, I read a tweet today uh, that talked about all the different Antifa groups that are allowed to coordinate where they're going to go riot and try to burn down federal buildings, they're allowed to do that on Twitter. They're still there. They're still doing it. There were several examples in this tweet. I couldn't believe it. Um, we'll go to Phil now. Uh, Apple has just announced that they are banning Parler. And for people that don't know, uh, Parler was kind of the, the, the safe haven for conservatives that wanted to get away from Twitter. Kind of a. Okay, I'm going
0: to stop right there. So uh, I have a Parler. I uh, got an account with Parler myself uh, just a couple of days after they really launched. Uh, Well, I think it was a couple weeks, actually, when they really launched. I was one of the first people to get Gab to um, because I'm everywhere. (laughs) You can't not find me. I'm somewhere. Um, I did mention that it's important that people sign up with Gab. I even said that on Parler. One, Parler is a little bit um, clicky for me, for me. Knowing how much was invested in it, you would think that they'd be smarter than using AWS systems uh, to build their system on. And this is why, um, you know, a couple years ago when Andy Torbo was building out Gab, this is like two, two and a half years ago, I more than happily at that time, when I was in a different place and time and was able to donate some money um, and made sure to sign up. I think, I think I signed up like three years ago, right? Um, so it's a really big deal. Um, Because Gab owns their own uh, servers. Uh, Hopefully soon we'll be able to integrate for live video on Gab as well. That's something that I brought up uh, to Andy Torba's team. Uh, They have now put Gab TV. So soon once I figure it out, I'll see how I can be uploading all my videos on Gab under my own channel there. Um, So Gab, the, the thing is, Gab was one of the first ones that was built out um, and people started attacking it, white supremacists, this, that, that. But the one thing that happened to them was Apple and Google had removed them from everywhere. And so they created their interface to be so smooth that I have a DuckDuckGo app on my phone, and I've literally bookmarked the page. So it's kind of like I'm in an app, even though I'm not. So it's a lot more easier uh, to maneuver and go through things. And obviously I'm not gonna be uploading a video from my phone, um, but I'm still trying to figure out the kinks on uh, using to upload, um, uh, you know, photos and whatnot. But it's a lot easier to maneuver. It's gotten a lot of heavy traffic. They did pull it down, built out their servers, uh, you know, and Gab is the best platform right now, always has been um, for a good discourse. Uh, because, you know, people will be like, well, white supremacists and racists. Yeah. So that's what free speech is. It's disgusting. It's messy. It's ugly. You're going to see shit you don't like. And that's the way life is. You can't like choose who's going to be hanging around you. I was on the airplane and it was wheels. Like we were going down the runway and this guy sat next to me and I was, and I was on the telephone. I was like, shit. I just got banned too. Just as I'm, just as I sent out that tweet about General Flynn retweeting that it's happening, uh, you know, I, I uttered it, and he goes, "So who cares?" Maybe, and he was like, "Who got banned?" And I was like, "A lot of people." I just like uttered it. I didn't even want to start a conversation. I was just like, "Wow, that was quick." It's two days ahead in schedule. They're really a uh, damn. They're really upset. Remember, on 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 the fifth. On the 5th, I had said, and on the 6th, I had tweeted out, why are they organizing if they won? After they supposedly won, they're still organizing for riots. Why are they organizing for riots if they won? Why was it that on the 7th, they were putting barricades? I had actually gone to dinner. Um, I was invited to go to dinner from uh, people from the Steinbart Media Group. I met a lot of the, the the guys that were working with Austin, and once we came out of the restaurant and I was heading to my hotel, there were crews out in the street building fences, blocking in the treasury. And it's just like, why are they doing that? Like they won. Why are they barricading things? No one rioted today. No one marched today. What are they doing? And if you remember correctly, maybe it was a week or two ago, two weeks ago. I said they've got 25th Amendment ready and three different versions of impeachments. I told you that first. I think I told you that the Monday that I left in the morning, maybe the Friday, uh, I reiterated it. Don't remember which one of those days, but I reiterated it. They have it all ready. So people need to understand that this is all planned. We know exactly what they were going to do and how they were going to do it. And many of you say, well, We lost. This isn't, no, it's not. This is how you wake up. You know, if you don't stick your finger in that socket and you're like dancing around the holes of the socket, you're going to still dance around there until you figure it out. So, President Trump won this election. And the fact that there are people okay with foreign interference in our nation's choice, the fact that your voice doesn't matter. The fact that they could just select, because it's not president elect, it's president select, right? They can select uh, the president that you should have should terrify every single one of you. Because if we can't choose who leads us, if we can't choose who speaks for us, then we're no different (laughs) than slaves. This is pure out dominance, totalitarianism, you name it, it's there. And we're Americans. You know, we're not like the Europeans that rolled over. Okay, the Europeans rolled over; they all rolled over. Some of them are making noise, but they have drones that are sending them home. People have to text message the government to ask to go to the store to buy food. Uh, you know, people are wearing masks as if their life depends on it. And it's like, let me tell you something: I spent the whole week in D.C. I went to the to the event where our president spoke at the Ellipse. And it was freezing cold. It was so cold, you guys, that when I got back to my hotel, I had like four hand warmers. I was rubbing hand warmers on my thighs and on my chest to stay warm. By the time I got into the hotel, I had crawled and I had to leave immediately. So it was so weird because I crawled under the covers with clothes on. I put a jacket on and I couldn't stop not being cold. So I was primed to get sick. Guess what? I wore no mask. I gave a lot of hugs out. I even shared waters with people. No co- control virus. Control virus. We talked about it. And I'm one of those in the vulnerable pop- population, right? So I'm just saying, probably because I don't get a flu shot. Just saying. But regardless, regardless, <clears throat> what we see now, right? from everything that has happened and transpired this week is that your voice doesn't matter and they will flex their muscles. What you also saw is exactly what I've been talking about for three years. There are going to be people. And I said this so many times, like a broken record that are going to show you their true face and you will not believe it. You will not believe it. I told you, you know, Cruz, everyone's like, "Yay!" and what did I say about Cruz? I said it. Whoa, there it is. Marsha Blackburn whoop said it there it is see the the thing is is that when people are in there okay they change they want a job there are so many people right now we we as americans cannot trust it's ridiculous we can't even arrest an antifa agitator right and get him in jail for agitating and promoting things which by the way what's really weird is you know that guy that they um that they arrested supposedly for um, uh, being an Antifa BLM guy in there and they let him go. Well, you know what I noticed? Do you remember the shooting in Chaz, you guys? What about in Utah where all those patriots came out against the Second Amendment with guns? Do you guys remember that where someone was shot, right? And in Chaz where they were shot? You know what's really weird? That the same guy that took the video footage of Babbitt being shot from start to finish was the same guy that took the video footage from start to finish, of the shooting in Utah and the one in Chaz. Tell me, what are the odds? How is that a coincidence? Like, this is where we need to be focusing on. How is it that this guy gets around when he was crying like a vagina on his YouTube that he lost his job? Who's paying him to to hop around the nation following these riots and just happening to be right where people are going to get shot from start to finish? From start to finish. The same guy. The same guy that makes these really <laughs> funny funny videos showing people how to get armed and dress up in battle gear and how the police and Nazis will stay away from you if you hold guns. He was in there with all the uh, you know Trump supporters in the Capitol agitating him, telling him to push the door down and you know, inching on and pushing along with other agitators that were infiltrating. Ooh, break it down with a tire iron. First of all, what we saw were millions of Americans gathered in the Capitol with children. They were families, right? They didn't have hammers and bats and tire irons. But there were were a few that did. So the question is, who brought those few that did? Who created that event? Because I could tell you one thing. The president of the United States didn't organize that event. The March for Trump movement did not organize that event. America for first did not organize the Capitol event. Do you know who organized the Capitol event? Ali freaking Abdul Razak Akbar. Now, for many people, they're like, oh, you're just salty because he was talking smack about you, Millie Berge. Nope, I've been talking smack about him since 2018 When I saw him circling my friend, Laura Loomer, and he had a lot to say. And I was very, very careful on how I would word it because a lot of people that have clout think they're bigger than others, they're invincible. I'll tell you how this goes. Every single time this guy has entered any operation, Scammy Davis has taken down whatever campaign he's working for. This guy, it's not about who you know, it's who you blow. There's a whole freaking book on Amazon that when I got back from DC was waiting for me on my kitchen counter, where it tells the whole story of who Ali Abdul Razak Akbar is. This guy pre- hijacked the stop the steal, told everyone he created the movement when he didn't, right? It was Amy Kramer and America for um, and, and it was Women for America first that did this, not him. He created a website. I was telling people, yo, he's hijacking the movement. No one would listen. But the minute I saw that he was self-profiting by telling people, give me money for Cash App and stuff, and so that way I can go and stop the steal. Like, what are you going to do? Guys, he was standing right behind me, so pissed that I was in the same area because he was scared. He knew exactly what I was doing. I was watching everything he was doing. That guy is short, and he could snap like a twig over my knee. I don't know why anybody fears calling Scammy Davis out, first of all. Secondly, he's a convicted fraudster. He blackmailed Carl Rove with their own intimate sex tapes. Okay? And he's got other little boy toys, you know, like the guy that like funded part of that movie that he did. He's blackmailing some other dude that did the movie that he did, you know, so that he could get some clout. This is how he works. It's not who you know, it's who you blow. And so what he tried to do was make sure the president saw him What he tried to do was embed himself in the movement. Like he tells his listeners, the president listens to me. I'm with the president. I do this. Dude, you don't even know what the president looks like. You got a photo op and that's about it. You don't even know what goes on in the administration. You don't know how the administration works. You have no idea how real world things work. It's just in your imagination of what you make money. Now, I was able to track the money down so I know who funded him. And that story is going to be coming out this week. I know who funded him. I know how he did it and how he brought them on. And it turns out he got into bed with some, you know, contract PSYOPers, uh, their their contractors. But that's going to be a story for next week because it's currently, uh, let's just say we've got eyes. But there's so much That all of you in the Telegram group were able to help me while I was mobile to gather information before it was deleted to make sure that we can protect our president and our republic because this guy literally was in there to do just that and that was to destroy our movement to make us look bad. There is video and audio of him saying so. And you know what he did? He went to Georgia and did a dry run. He walked into the Capitol in Georgia and said, let's burn this shit down. This is not a joke. This guy infiltrated and he will be outed. So that is all I'm going to say on that. I'm not going to talk about the events that transpired. I'm not going to talk. Not yet. That'll be next week. For now, I want to wait for our president to come on. And tell you guys just exactly what to expect. Now, um, why is he on Newsmax? Hold on. Can we just listen to what this clown has to say? Just give me a second. I'm sorry. I really have to listen to this.
2: They, they, they would have some kind of resistance. And I think what we thought was that, you know, uh, we would make an effort to encourage them to turn around uh, or to fight back and maybe pro- uh, produce an opening so that some of us could leave. Just about that time, I had reached down to knock a piece of wood off of the stick that I had. I was standing right in front of the glass on the door. As soon as I bent over, so as I started raising up, I heard pop, 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 and I looked up and the glass was just shattering in the window. And then someone yelled, shots fired, shots fired. And uh, that's when it got super real. And so everybody just kind of hit the deck. And then, you know, that's when the Capitol Police on the other side decided, hey, it's worth the risk of leaving through the speaker's lobby and taking our chances on our unsecured route and getting everybody out of here versus staying right. in here. Because it was pretty obvious at that point. It looked like they were fixing to come into the uh, floor of the house. So they did. They got us out of there. We evacuated. And it was just, it, it was that is. insane.
0: It, yeah, it is insane. You know what's insane? If I'm a representative of my constituents, I don't want to feel like I'm scared of them. I want them to love me. I want them to think that, you know, they made the right choice for voting for me and they will walk me through and protect me if I'm walking through a crowd of hostiles. Not be scared for my life. That's what you should be feeling. All these senators and Congress people that have been elected are scared shitless because it's not going to be safe for them to walk out on the streets. Because all of us are nice and level-headed. It only takes one straw to break the camel's back. One drop to overfill that cup. And what they did was treasonous. What they did was going against what the people invested. I mean, look at North Dakota. It's a red state. And they have three red representatives, Congress and Senate, and they all flipped on Trump. I'm surprised if they ever go back to North Dakota. Because don't forget, these people take, <laughs> they take days off from school to go hunting. They used to park their guns in their lockers in school, Right. This isn't a joke. This what they did was atrocious and they will be having concerns about their safety. Mitt Romney got an earful on the airplane. Lindsey Graham was surrounded by the police because everybody called him a traitor. And so it shall. And so it shall. Because everything I told you, everybody pulls their pants down. You just have to wait. And what else have I said? Sink your own ship to see who jumps first. Look at all those that jump. End of story. That is what you got to look at. This is how we weed it out. Now, many will say, well, how will Trump pull this off or that off or this? Listen, President Trump is with us. The real question is, how are we, the people, people of the United States, how will we be able to take this back? That's the question. Your president could be anybody and their mother. It's how do we take it back? Yes? Because he's with us. That was his slogan when he ran. He's with us. That's what he did. He's with us. So now that the whole world is against him, that every single person that's supposed to represent your voice flipped on him, you're going to jump? No, you're not. You're going to be right there by his side, making sure that you're heard. So... Going back, circling back to my mumble under the breath as we were heading off the runway and it kind of seemed like we were driving around the airport for forever. um, Guy next to me goes, well, is it some ignorant people? Good. They should get off. I was like, silencing anyone is not the right thing. He's like, well, if what they have to say is important, they can congregate like they used to before social media. I said, so what, you're going to send half the population to 1950, and as long as you're obedient and say things that everybody likes, you get to enjoy the pleasures of 2021? And he just looked at me. He's like, well, maybe people just have to protest more and be out more. And I said, damn, I hope that there aren't a lot of people that think like you, sir, because that's the thing. There are people that believe that if they don't like, if you don't go but why? with what the mainstream media says, you shouldn't be allowed to fester. If that was the case, we'd have zero developments and advancements in science, technology, entertainment, and everything. It's the crazy people. It's the people that are different that make a difference in the world. Not the puppets. Not the sheep. Not the people in the gray. This is not, you know, Ing Sok. There's no the party. Well, actually, there is, ironically. I mean, even Twitter has banned the hashtag 1984. 1984. Hashtag beat. So here's what we saw. Um, Well, I don't want to get into details, but we saw many operations within that operation. What was intended to create evil, indeed successfully did so, painted... uh, President Trump supporters with a very broad brush, right, and wiped this out and tried to use that and utilize that as a 25th Amendment, um, you know, movement. I mean, even the left is thinking, she's he's out in 10 days. Why are you so stressed? Ha, you best be stressed because this is where we go. All right. This is where we go. So at the at the Capitol, there were multiple operations. A. Mal operation, right, to make us look bad, was what Ali Akbar and his crew had planned, right? But there were a few other operations that they didn't expect. Kind of like, where's Pelosi's laptop? I mean, that's just a question. So they're all thinking, oh, someone stole the laptop. Could be planted information. Could be not. No, I'm going to tell you it's not. I'm going to tell you that, yep, she's got to be stressing. And I'm also going to tell you that we're no longer this corporation. Do you know that in 1933, the inauguration changed to January when we became a corporation? Right. Normally, you're inaugurated March 4th. If you Google it, that's the date. Now, if you remember the time of the inauguration, March 4th, that happened during Lincoln's time, he had won the election. The inauguration was supposed to happen on March 4th. But people were fighting him and telling him he's not president that they had their own president select, remember? But he still won because there are many things that can be done by the people. And having two presidents, I mean, we have it in Venezuela right now, right? We have it in all those countries that I showed you. It's all good. The question is, how do we take it while the iron is hot? Well, you're going to see on Monday. It's going to be boom, kadoom, kadoom, kadoom. One after another, four hits, boom. Now, many will say, if the Senate and the Congress have flipped, what do we do? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We got this. Let them let them think they won. Because that's how hard... Oh, I, can't, I don't want to even look at that face right now. Excuse me. Let's just block that out. I'll just be looking back and forth. So, um, don't let anyone ever tell you that you're the underdog. You own this nation. Your voice must be heard and if the people that are in office do not take your word and amplify it like they should you use every method we have to remove them from that position now there are many people that are saying well you know we can't we have to wait till they get primary and stop stop every single state has a constitution And that state spells out how you can recall slash impeach whoever. If your state does not have such a clause, then you can sure as hell make one up. All you need is a certain amount of signatures. So this week, I will be compiling with my counterpart a list, and I will create it on a shareable document for every state that will tell you exactly how many signatures you need, to either impeach or recall your senator or congressperson. I will also advise you on the procedure of doing so, because then you will have to have emergency elections. Best bet is, is that you already have a candidate in mind. So for all of you that are in these Tory Says chat groups that we have for different states, please feel free. We don't even need a party. We are our own party, our own party. And what we can do is, we can fund within ourselves. Remember, this is the digital age. We don't need to buy billboards. We don't need to do any of the TV ads because nobody watches it anymore. It's us. We're the news. We control the content, not them. So I did say this last year that this is what we're going to be doing. The real work starts in 2021 and we will remove them all. They will hear us roar whether they like it or not. And in the meantime, our president will be gutting the swamp like no other. While many of you are pessimistic, he should have done it already. He should have moved along with it. Yada, yada, yada. I'm here to tell you, no, he shouldn't. He did it exactly the way he should, because none of you would be able to see it. Because like I told you in 2024, all of you would have been walking blindly off the cliff and dropping your vote for people like Cruz, right? Am I wrong? Because I know a lot of you have posted it in the chats because I see everything. Oh, I'm going to vote for Ted Cruz when he runs in 2024. And I've been saying he looks like he wears a human suit and he is itchy in it. Nope. You don't want that. I think Lindsey Graham's great. (laughs) Nope. Totally not great. Been saying it for a while. So what we need is new blood, right? We need actual people. We need people that won't like Kevin Kramer who said, well, the people elected me and I will choose what my conscience. nobody gives a shit what your conscience is. You're the person that represents us. We didn't vote for your conscience. We voted for you being our voice. And if you can't be our voice, then you need to get the fuck out of here and let's put someone in there. That's going to listen to us and talk to us. See, I, I, I still, you know, many people are like, I feel sorry for this Senator. And that I don't, if I was your Congresswoman or if I was your Senator, I wouldn't have to worry about stepping outside and my constituent wanting to take me out or talk, talk down to me or attack me because I would be doing what the people want. Okay. So I'd have nothing to fear. The only reason they're scared is because they know what they did was betrayal. They know what they did was wrong. Why should you be scared if you did nothing wrong? You see, this is what we're seeing. So, as, as, as we sit and we, uh, and we ponder on what ifs and what if, whatever, I could tell you that there's a lot coming. So while we wait for the present to come on, and I'll keep an eye on that, I wanted to share a little infographics video. And the reason I wanted to share this was because I wanted you to understand what actually game theory is. Because then you'll realize the past four years and what I've been trying to tell you was kind of like a counter game theory. There's no such statement. I'm just making up the word. But something that in government terms we'd call a counter intelligence operation. And this is to counter an intelligence operation against the people, an actual PSYOP. Something that we made clear to you um, with uh, Shadowgate. So I want you guys to take a listen to this. And watch for those of you watching. It's quite interesting.
3: Game theory as we know it today came about in part because of one man's interest in poker. This man was not just your average man on the street. He was a mathematician, physicist, and computer scientist named John von Neumann. His goal was loftier than becoming a better poker player. According to a Forbes article, he was only interested in poker because he saw it as a path toward developing a mathematics of life itself. He wanted a general theory, he called it game theory, that could be applied to diplomacy, war, love, evolution, or business strategy. He moved closer toward that goal when he collaborated with economist Oscar Morgenstern on a book called The Theory of Games and Economic Behavior in 1944. The Library of Economics and Liberty (Econlib) states that in their book von Neumann and Morgenstern asserted that any economic situation could be defined as the outcome of a game between two or more players. What is a game according to Game Theory? Yale economics professor Ben Pollack notes a game has three basic components – players, strategies, and payoffs. As we just mentioned, Game Theory applies to games involving two or more players. In a game, players share common knowledge of the rules, available strategies, and possible payoffs of the game. However, it's not always the case that players have perfect knowledge of these elements of a game. Strategies are the actions that players take in a game. Strategy is at the heart of Game Theory. Forbes describes the theory presented in A Theory of Games and Economic Behavior as the mathematical modeling of a strategic interaction between rational adversaries, where each side's actions would depend on what the other side would do. The concept of strategic interdependence, the actions of one player influencing the actions of other players, is one important aspect of von Neumann's version of game theory that's still relevant today. And then there are payoffs, which one source describes as the outcome of the strategy applied by the player. Payoffs could be a wide range of things depending on the game. It could be profits, a peace treaty, or getting a great deal on a car. One limitation of von Neumann's version of game theory is that it focused on finding optimal strategies for one type of game, called a zero-sum game. In a zero-sum game, one player's loss is the other player's gain, according to Forbes. Another source notes that players can neither increase nor decrease the available resources in zero-sum games. Critics have noted that life is not often as simple as a zero-sum game. More complicated game scenarios are possible in the real world. For example, players can do things like find more resources or form coalitions that increase the gains of several players. Game theory has evolved to analyze a wider range of games, such as combinatorial games and differential games, but we have to look at only one. A classic example of a game often studied in game theory is called the Prisoner's Dilemma. Different versions of this game are available on the internet. This version is from the Fundamental Finance website. There are two prisoners, Jack and Tom, who have just been captured for robbing a bank. The police don't have enough evidence to convict them but know that they've committed a crime. They put Jack and Tom in separate interrogation rooms and lay out the consequences. If both Jack and Tom confess, they will each get 10 years in prison. If one confesses and the other doesn't, the one who confessed will go free, and the other will spend 20 years in prison. If neither person confesses, they will both get five years for a different crime they were wanted for. The prisoner's dilemma contains the basic elements of a game. The two players are Jack and Tom. There are two strategies available to them, confess or don't confess. The payoffs of the game range from going free to serving 5, 10, or 20 years in prison.
0: So I want you guys to think of this. This isn't a game but they think it's a game. <laughs> Damn, is game over for them? Because we already knew. See, mathematics, that's something that I like. Predictive analytics predicts. This is a form of predictive analytics. How one would respond, here are the outcomes that you get. So think of it. If those two, that, that prisoner scenario, right? You have two options. You pick, you go, you get maximum penalties, Medium penalties, no penalties, completely unfair, even if we don't have evidence, we're still going to get our way regardless. So these are the options that they tell you you have, so you've got to pick a side. This is the mistake when they're teaching game theory that they use this notion, because in this notion, some the party that's issuing the game always wins in the end. That's not true. Because the one thing that I've said from the first time that I've ever come on air is, You never treat human interaction or humans as absolute values because that's where you fail. And this is why this uh, primitive uh, game theory, which is more like basic blocks, right? Uh, Just generalization, but not actual, doesn't play with math. Math is a language. And uh, today I'm going to introduce you guys to the Ourovoros code. Um, I thought I could introduce you to that because I want you to start thinking of that. I want you to start thinking of the strategies that they have used against you, these multiple operations slash strategies slash game theories on you. Because for the past, all your life, for those of you that are old enough to be listening to me, definitely all your life. For those of you that are over the age of 40, you were still hijacked, okay? You got to be about 80 to not have been hijacked, okay? So all of you have had every facet of your life hijacked, where they have given you ultimatums like this, where you believe that if you follow the rules and follow what they say, you will have a better outcome, a more minimal uh, punishment or something like that. There's always something. If you have the best backsplash, you're going to have the nicest kitchen. Everyone's going to love you. You're going to be hosting parties. If you have that handbag, your friends are going to be jealous or it'll last longer or these shoes or anything. This music, if you listen to it. That's that. If you have this, oh! If you're not on Twitter, you're a nobody. If you're not verified, you're a nobody. If you don't have more than ten thousand followers, you're a nobody. All these things that they're throwing at you. If, if you can't do math, you're a nobody. But you can write. If you can't write, but you can do math, you're a nobody. They're telling you every single. They're telling you every single outcome of what you should be, when what you are is just you. What you need to do is wake up and sit from the moon and look down, and you will see that. Exactly what Comey said. They have weaved a very tight social fabric. They have kept you in those bounds, like the algorithm that stole the elections. You got to keep a balance. You got to keep a balance to keep the people in check. And if you don't, you need to bash it out with extra ballots so that way the algorithm can still work. Well, guess what? In 2016, that algorithm broke. And I'm not talking about the election one. I'm talking about the people one it started to break the president of the united states was finally our voice he was saying things all of us wanted to say but didn't say he was saying things that you were like yes you're right yes that's the way it is he was showing you that the game theory that they've been implementing on you which is an industrial era theory and it always stands by the by the axiom i would say your brain your higher processes Your thought, your mind is always predisposed to slavery, to be enslaved, to be submissive, to be a follower. It is always like that. Your higher processes, your mind talks you out of a lot of things. But you know what? Bad decisions make great stories sometimes. And those bad decisions, bad or good, always come from your gut. This is why I've been stressing, you're going to have to start trusting your gut. You're going to have to start trusting what's true and what's not. Because right now, if you turn on the TV, you can't even watch it. I can't even watch it. I can't even watch it. And the fact that Twitter removed us, their stock has tanked. It's like MySpace right now. It's like MySpace. Nobody gives a crap. We're all looking for that better thing. And right now, I'm just telling you, Gab is on the money with that. They even said that the first video they were going to put up on Gab TV, Andrew said he's going to put up Shadowgate. Nobody could take it down, even though it was banned globally. So remember, I brought you guys to Telegram. Why did I do that? Why did I introduce you guys to a Russian crypto messaging app and not use WhatsApp? WhatsApp is Zuckerberg's. Everybody has access to that crap. People talk about Signal. Yeah, it's good, but I could probably crack that in a little heartbeat. So it's not that secure, okay? not secure. Zoom calls aren't secure. Skype isn't secure. I mean, neither is really Telegram. But, you know, going through Russians is a little bit harder. I mean, we trust the Russians more than we do our American elected persons right now. So let's not let's not get into that. But think about it. I, I I moved you to other platforms so you can get comfortable with them, too. I'm on almost any platform you can find. I can totally take you to my website and just stick my video on there, But at some point, they may own every single hosting company. So why not host it somewhere I can? So all of you that had never even seen Twitch now know how to use that. Never even seen DLive know how to use that. You use Telegram and you're like, damn, I could have it on my computer, my phone, and it syncs up. That's great, right? And now you're going to have to move and evolve. This is evolution. Twitter's old news. It's it's garbage. We don't care. They had the audacity to silence our president from public discourse. They chose what we are allowed to listen to, read, or watch. Nobody has that right. Not even God himself has the right to tell you, I'm taking away your free will to see something because he supports free will. So think of it that way. They have decided that they are going to make decisions for you and say, you're not allowed to watch this on this platform. Well, if that's the case, Fuck your platform. You could take it and stick it up your ass because we're smarter than that. Evolution comes and your yesterday's news shows everybody else. And we will move to where we need to be in order to be able to communicate with each other. You do not have the final say. And remember that tweet from Hallie when he tweeted out, who responded to him? Walmart. What did I tell you? It's the damn freaking corporations that select who they are. These Bilderberg meetings, I had a long conversation about that when I was telling you about Mattis being in the corporation. how He was on uh, Theranos, and that was found for fraud. That woman didn't even see one day of jail. And for less money and for less bullshit, you know, we have our little, you know, farmer bro sitting in jail because he wanted to analyze Hillary Clinton's hair. (laughs) And that was it. This is how they work. No, I'm sorry. This is the United States of America. There's no two-tier justice you will be held to the same standard. You may not like it, but it will happen. Your game theory sucks. But anyway, it's important for us to continue to listen to what game theory is. Because while you're listening to their nice, short, very rounded explanation, I want you to apply it to everything that has happened this week. And tell me you don't see what they have done to us. Tell me you don't see how every single news media outlet is telling you what's true and what's false. Remember when WikiLeaks came out? What did CNN tell you? It's illegal to read the WikiLeaks emails. If you need to know what's true, you need to come to us. It's like, I'm sorry, who died and made you Hall monitor. Excuse me? No. I have eyes. I have ears. I have a brain. And I can comprehend as I wish. I don't need someone like Fredo to explain shit to me. Fredo can't even tie a shoe. Well, he probably can but maybe he doesn't do a bow
3: as fundamental finance explains it's easier to see and compare these outcomes or payoffs if they're put into a matrix since tom's strategies are listed in rows or the x-axis his payoffs are listed first jack's payoffs are listed second because his strategies are in columns or on the y-axis c means confess and nc means not confess this matrix is called normal form in game theory Moves are simultaneous, which means that neither player knows the other's decisions and decisions are made at the same time. In this example, both prisoners are in separate rooms and won't be let out until they have both made their decisions. One common solution to simultaneous games is known as a dominant strategy. Fundamental Finance defines it as the strategy that has the best payoff no matter what the other player chooses. Tom does not know if Jack will confess or not. He takes a look at both options. If Jack confesses and Tom does not, Tom will get 20 years in prison. If both Jack and Tom confess, Tom will only get 10 years. If Jack does not confess and Tom does, Tom will go free. The best strategy for Tom is to confess because it leads to the best payoff regardless of Jack's actions. Confessing will cause Tom to either go free or serve less prison time than if he did not confess. Jack is in the same situation and has the same option as Tom. As a result, the best strategy for Jack is to also confess, because it leads to the same best payoffs that Tom will get. One economics website states that a dominant strategy equilibrium is reached when each player chooses their own dominant strategy. Why is the strategy of both not confessing not the best choice? While this option would give both of them less time in prison than if they confessed, it would only work if each of them could be sure the other one would not confess. It's unknown whether Tom and Jack would be able to work together with that level of cooperation. In addition, both of them are unlikely to choose the strategy of not confessing, because it has greater penalty than they would if they confessed. Confessing also gives each of them the possibility of serving no prison time, which is even less than 5 years in prison. The prisoner's dilemma is a good example of how rationality can be problematic in game theory. University of British Columbia Vancouver researcher Yamin Hatun calls it one of the most debatable issues in game theory. Hatun points out that almost all of the theories are based on the assumption that agents are rational players who strive to maximize their utilities or payoffs. Yet studies demonstrate that players do not always act rationally and that the conclusions of rational analysis sometimes fail to conform to reality. As we can see from this game, the most rational strategy that would give both players less prison time was not the best choice, while a choice that involves both players doing more prison time was. The prisoner's dilemma also reflects how other game theorists were able to fix some of the problems with von Neumann's version of game theory. One of them was mathematician John Nash. He found a way to determine optimal strategies for any finite game. A New Yorker article describes the Nash Equilibrium as a particular solution to games, one marked by the fact that each player is making out the best he or she or it possibly can, given the strategies being employed by all of the other players. When Nash Equilibrium is reached in the game, none of the players wants to change to another strategy because doing so will lead to a worse outcome than the current strategy. In The Prisoner's Dilemma, the Nash Equilibrium is the strategy of both players confessing. There is no other better option for either player to switch to. From this game, we can see another interesting aspect of the Nash Equilibrium. Mathematician Istok Hozo points out that any dominant strategy equilibrium is also a Nash Equilibrium. He explains that this is because the Nash Equilibrium is an extension of the concepts of dominant strategy equilibrium. However, he notes that the Nash equilibrium can be used to solve games that don't have a dominant strategy. Nash received great praise for the Nash equilibrium and for his other works in game theory, but not from John Von Neumann. According to Forbes, Von Neumann, consumed with envy, dismissed the young Nash's result as trivial, meaning mathematically simple. Others did not share in Von Neumann's assessment of Nash's work. Nash, Reinhardt Selton, and John Harsani went on to share the 1994 Nobel Memorial Prize in Economic Studies for their work in game theory. When Nash died in 2015, one academic news website summed up accomplishments this way. Nash's most fundamental contribution to game theory was in opening the field up to a wider range of applications and different scenarios to be studied. Without his breakthrough, much of what followed in game theory might not have been possible. What's your experience with
0: that? That's BS. He just opened up a can of worms for them to psyop the crap out of us and just help make manuals, which by the way, um you know, we've made available to you. We've shown you the actual manuals, we've shown you how they work, we've shown you how they hijack you. We've 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 shown you. And you know, we can only do so much. You can only show someone. So many times before you're just like, what else can I do? I can't spoon feed you because it doesn't matter. You have to learn. So I wanted to share with you uh, Patrick Byrne tweeted out and he needs to get on Gab like real quick. Um, The transcript is here um, and I can play the video for you if you like. Um, I I will play the video for you actually. Um, It's quite interesting. It's the actual. it, uh, uh, counsel testifying under oath about the interference in the 2020 election. I'll actually, um, I'll actually read it off to you because it's, in, it's. Um,
4: Following affidavits it, on facts as conveyed in several meetings. His English professor.
0: is a little bit off, but I will, I will let you listen to it, and then what I'll do is I'll, um, I'll uh, get the transcript up for you. How's that? So I want you guys to, this is just from a few hours ago. Um, here we go.
4: Professor Alfio D'Urso, lawyer of Via Vittorio Emanuele Catania, do hereby provide the following affidavit of facts as conveyed in several meetings with the high-level Army Security Services official. Arturo Delia, former head of the IT department of Leonardo Espia, has been charged by the public prosecutor of Naples for technology data manipulation and implantation of viruses in the main computers of Leonardo Spa in December 2020. Under instruction and direction of US persons working from the US embassy in Rome, undertook the operation to switch data from the US election of 3rd November 2020 from significant margin of victory from Donald Trump to Joe Biden in a number of states where Joe Biden was losing the vote totals. Defendant states that he was working in Pescara facility of Leonardo Spa and utilized military-grade cyber warfare encryption capabilities to transmit switched votes via military satellite of Fusno Tower to Frankfurt, Germany. The defendant swears that the data in some cases may have been switched to represent more than total voters registered. The defendant states he is willing to testify to all individuals and entities involved in the switching of votes from Donald Trump to Joe Biden when he shall be in total protection from himself his family defendant states he has secured in an undisclosed location the backup of the original data and data switched upon instruction to provide evidence at court in this matter I hereby declare and swear the above states' facts have been stated in my presence.
0: So, direct quote, under the distraction, uh, under the instruction, not distraction, dude, and direction of U.S. persons working from U.S. Embassy in Rome, undertook the operation to switch data from the U.S. election from November 3rd, 2020, from significant margin of victory for Donald Trump to Joe Biden. In a number of states where Joe Biden was losing the vote totals, Defendant states that he was working in a facility of Leonardo SPA. That's uh, kind of like LLC, right? Um, but the Italian version. And utilize mili- military-grade cyber warfare encryption capabilities to transmit and switch votes via military satellite from Blah Blah Tower in Frankfurt, Germany, probably the one that we built. Uh, the defendant swears that the data uh, in some cases may have been switched to represent more than the total voters uh, you know, available. The defendant states that he is willing to testify all individuals and entities involves the switching of votes from Donald Trump to Joe Biden, where he shall be in total protection from himself and his family. Defendant states he secured uh, in an undisclosed, lo- he is secured in an undisclosed location. The makeup of the original data and data switch upon instruction to provide as evidence in a court of this matter. I hereby declare and swear the above stated facts have been stated in my presence. And this is a pretty credible guy um he's a professor uh he's in the supreme court of italy uh he is part of the eu banking credit foundation and um uh, dresner <laughs> remember where i said i had done my um dresner klein with bank securities and max Planck so institute so this guy isn't like your everyday joe he's not like just some lawyer right he's a a, a very well established person Now, what's funny is with Italy is, if you guys noticed, the one thing I did for my iHeart thing was to put this as my picture. And voila, I see a tweet from We Rise, We Have Risen. And I want to take you to that. Um, Is this being shared or no? No, it's not. Let me share it with you because it's quite interesting. Because something happened today. You know, when this came out, something crazy happened. Something insane happened. And you want to know what it is? Vatican went pitch black. It's dark. Hold on. Let me take you there. But it's all coincidence, of course. I mean, this is just a conspiracy theory. It just happened. So let's uh, take a look at what was going on. So here it is. It's all dark, dark, dark. Oh, look, it's all light, light, light. And then, oh, what's going on? What happened? Wait, everybody, let's go. Wait, the lights are going out. What's happening? No, the lights are on. What's happening? Let's see. Let me see if you can see. You can't. Hold on. So it was showing the lights. They cut out as they were walking out. Hold on. Let me get back to the video. And boom, Vatican is pitch black. It's super dark. It's just a coincidence, though. Of course, just a coincidence. It's nighttime, but it's pitch black, no lights on. Now, any of you that have been to Rome have seen the Vatican. It's pretty interesting, right? So, wait, hold on. Let me um share this. Uh, me, so they're they're like walking out, and they have some support lights, and and they they leave. And what's going on here? And now it's all dark, 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 dark. Dark, 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 dark. It's just dark. It's just there, pretty much. Just pitch black. No lights. What happened? The Vatican, the whole Vatican, which is its own country, you've got to get your passport stamped when you go there, is out. Now, it's almost as if someone knew that. <laughs> it's like, kind of like it was happening. The purge was happening. Even on Parlor, and you know what? I should share that. Let me show you guys my Parlor. Let me see if I could get on and share it with you, so you can see it. Just so for those of you that have never seen Parlor too, because there's a lot of you that like don't venture out on different ones. Um, I'm not verified on Parlor. Um, hold on. Let me see if I can go to my profile and show it to you. All right. Let me. Let me see. Let me sharing this. Okay. Here we go. So this is my um, parlor account. Um, as you can see, I joined on December 12, 2018. Um, I did say, oh, the CIA changed their website. I also said Gab is much better. Oh, that tweet didn't go out where it was like, you know, don't use it because it has AWS. I think I only put that in my Telegram. I thought I had published it here. I guess I didn't. I thought I did. I thought I did. I wanted to warn you guys, um, but I did say Gab is so much better. Um, let's see. Oh, there it is. Parlor works on AWS, therefore Gab is safe. Own servers, no control to others. And I put my profile for Gab. Um, so I'll show you my Gab one. So this is this is my Parlor profile. Um, it's um going to be knocked off, Amazon is going to take it off, and then you know that destroys the whole you know system itself, guys, because by the time they find how to host it, recode it, and do it, you know they should have done that yesterday. Uh, so let's see, is this it? No, that's parlor. Let me, let me go to Gab. So be a little bit laggy for me right now. Here we go. So, oh, and there I have blackout too, <laughs> just to show. So here's my um, Gab. I've had Gab for a while. Um, gab is um still having a few tech issues. They were having it earlier uh, because they were adding more servers. I think I retweeted with where Andrew Torba actually said it. I'm pretty sure more servers are being spun up as we speak. Record traffic. Remember, we own our server hardware. It's not as easy as pressing a button on the cloud hosting provider, but we can't be banned from servers that we own. Please be patient. God is in control. This is why I like Andrew. He was always focused. Everybody pushed him aside, and he had faith. He had faith that he would move on. As you could see, I w- I've been a member since 2017. So when he came out on the platform, I jumped in uh, because we saw a lot of the censorship happening then. So it's, you know, this is very, very important for you guys to understand what you should be looking for in order to be able to have access uh, to, you know, this this era's, uh, you know, public discourse channel. This is our uh, agora. Uh, This is our marketplace. This is our coffee shop. Our, you know, hanging out on the stoop. This is a worldwide public platform, and every single person should have the ability to be on it. I don't have a lot of junk going through my site. I follow things. I can block people. I could do whatever I want. Um, you know, nobody can tell me anything. I can schedule things. I can do my polls. And you know what? There's going to be a lot of weird people on there. People I don't want to listen to. It's pretty simple. I just don't. I just stop listening to them or I block them. That's it. And that's the simplest thing all of us can do is appreciate that things, uh, you know, are pushed aside. Now, Greg Rubini's on here. I missed him on Twitter when they knocked him off. Neon Revolt as well. Um, he's, he just put out, Nancy Pelosi will be arrested in the coming days. That's what Pete Santilli said. I don't know. I'm saying that Ann is going to be Brennan and Clapper first, you guys. I'm telling you that right now. I'm telling you that right now. It's going to be Brennan and Clapper first. I've I've been saying it. They're going to perp walk. He's toast. He's like super toast. He's like crispy, so crispy toast you can't even like scratch off the burnt part to eat it. Brennan's super toast. Now, this week, uh, you're going to see an insane battle. And like I said and uh, in, in my last pinned tweet, what we're about to see is unprecedented. We have the best captain on the ship to push us through the most uncharted, unexpected waters ever that our nation should be at. But one thing that I can assure you that I saw in Washington, D.C., is that we are stronger. They are not. We love our country. They do not. They do not serve their family, their friends, their loved ones, their nation, their God. They serve money. All of these people that went against your voice did it for that paper dollar, dollar, dollar. And guess what, man? You're not the underdog. They are. And they know it. This is why they are terrified. And they should be. They should be very terrified. Because none of us we'll forget the words the man said to
2: us. If I give you one message to hold in your hearts today, it's this, never, ever give up. I will fight for you with every breath in my body and I will never, ever let you down. I'm with you, the American people.
5: I am your voice. (laughs)
0: Right. So, you know, how could we abandon a man who has been nothing but our voice, nothing but standing with us and surrounded by snakes? And, you know, a lot of people that I've come in contact with, you know, I've worked for many administrations and all of them were corrupt. The only time I never worked for an administration was one that was actually for the people. I always worked within administrations that loathed people that treated people as if they were there to cater them, not the other way around. And, you know, I, it may make me sad, but I probably wouldn't know what to do. I'll tell you, I sat there with Patrick Berge and We were sitting in his car having a cigarette. And I was like telling him we need to do this. He goes, damn, so you were trained with your stupid little black hat. That's you coming out. This We need to do this, this. He's like, stop, <laughs> stop. And that's because that's the way everything went. And uh, it's great that he's there to ground me. I mean, whatever, Patrick. <laughs> but what we are seeing is you guys having a, a full visual of exactly what has been governing you for years. How they have been treating you, how they have been working against you. And you are now seeing it with your own eyes, which is incredible. I mean, it's one of the hardest pills to swallow, I'll tell you that to know that you've been duped by the very people you put in power. And they have allowed them to have power. The fact that there were people that are in elected office that were cheering, that the president of the United States is not allowed to be on a social media platform tells you everything you need to know. Everything. They are disgusting. They will stop at nothing to maintain the power that they've had so long. But guess what? They messed up. They messed up because they thought that you were so far gone that there was no way that you would wake up. So I thought today I could share with you the last, uh, you know, few minutes of a show that I did in 2018. And uh, I want you guys to listen to it and see what I told you in 2018. Let me see what what the date was. The date was December 14th, 2018. Take a listen. You think he didn't know that McCabe set Flynn up? Are you kidding? You think he didn't know? Because if you think he didn't know, you have no idea who President Trump is. President Trump is the one that knew that there was a Russian spy, you know, a Russian national spy that was literally working at our U.S. embassy in Moscow, feeding information to uh, CrowdStrike, feeding information to Perkins, Coy, and Wilkie's working with christopher Steele, and he left her there he left her there in 2017 when he took office he had already known about it there's documentation that he was briefed about it and then you know when uh it was the guardian that first reported you know that she was arrested and they reported not not arrested that she was fired and they don't know what happened kind of thing and they didn't name her They found out she was fired and reported it at the beginning of August of 2018 when she was fired and detained and questioned, not by only by U.S. authorities, but Russian authorities. We're waiting on Putin for that stuff Uh, in 2017. And on the heels of that, the U.S. ambassador disgraced John Teft was fired, you know, from his position and, uh, you know, did a salty op ed at the Moscow Times. I mean, come on. He's, he's, he's a year ahead of them because, you know, when he took office, that was the calm before the storm. And this here that, that, that we're seeing right now, we're not in in the eye of it yet. The eye is coming up. The eye is where it's going to be like, well, there's not much news to talk about. You know, the minute you see a placid, you know, just really calm, you know, No big deal, no drama, no hitting, and it's all rubbish stuff. Like, so-and-so did this, and look, Beyonce was dancing at this, you know. When you start seeing news like that become part of the news cycle that are nothing burgers, that's when you know the storm is here, and it has landed. And it has already almost done, because we're in the eye of it. The storm is here. It's been here. It's been here since 2018 uh, where it landed. See, this is where it's gearing up. It's like those hurricanes that come in and, you know, the feet of it just start pounding on our shores until it climbs onto the land. This is where it's at. It's in the Gulf right now. We're in the Gulf of the deep state and we're smacking them. We haven't come in full force yet because it's not time yet. We need to gear up speed, you know, increase that category of a whoop ass that's coming out. Whoops. That's exactly what we're waiting for. This is exactly the genius that we put in there. And when he says, I'm a stable genius, he totally is. Because people don't realize just how many steps ahead this man is. See, Peter Strzok didn't realize it either, who was special agent, but he was also the section chief of counter espionage he was also cleared to work with the CIA he his dad the guys let's just take it from the top in regards to this whole russia thing and the email thing how did we go from the emails that were opening up you know the investigation from Uranium One, right? It's led to these emails and the servers and Benghazi and Secretary of State and then further going on. And now it's rolled over to, we've concluded that the emails have to do with Russia too. Can you guys just see how this narrative has kind of like flowed and now it's all about Russia? And these emails, you know, are, are a byproduct of Russia when... Her emails in the beginning were investigated because of Russia, right? That's why they were investigating her communications and her finances because of Russia, because of Uranium One. But can you see now how the mainstream media and the deep state has created this narrative where you're like, Russia stole her emails. And so this email problem that we have is because of Russia. It's like half truth, right? Because we know this email thing she has is indeed because of Russia, but not because Russia hacked her, but because she did a deal with Russia. And this is why we had all that stuff going on. And I had a conversation with Scott Adams about it, you know, with the Crimea and all that, because he had insurance. And this is why they didn't want Trump talking to, you know, Putin. They were like, "Do we can't get this guy in the room with Putin with nobody there. Remember how upset they were that they couldn't get in the room? You know, I have a really, really good source and I could tell you something. So anyone that actually knows, um, that actually has sources that's listening to this will, t- will confirm this. When they were in China and they were sitting down and having dinner in the Forbidden City, which that has never happened before. There was no press. Rex Tillerson started talking, and President Trump just kind of looked at him, you know, and he's like, Eat your salad, Rex. (laughs) And, you know, someone made mention of that. That was leaked out, and he was like, Oh, you know, it's rude not to eat your food when the Chinese give it to you, blah, 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 blah. No, it wasn't. It was telling him to shut up. Because little did little Rex know that when he accompanied him to these things, a lot of nothing was said. A lot, of, a lot of stuff were said, but a lot of nothing too. And you, you have to understand that Rex was being tested just like everybody else was. McMaster was tested, McCabe, everybody. They're so dumb, they fell into the trap. But that's how you get them. They fall into the trap. You know, they they have to, they, they think that they know better. You know, like the New York Times think they know better. Does the New York Times for sure think that the leaks they get aren't leaked back? I mean, I could have really good friends at the New York Times telling me every time you get a leak. How do you know? I mean, we had a Russian national that was spying on our government for 10 years working at the U.S. embassy with clearances to access information on American citizens and Secret Service details. But you think the journal that you have that's pumping out these leaked stories doesn't have a friend or a colleague that would leak it back to, I don't know, me or somebody else? That's what's cool about it because they can't trust anyone right now. And this is where they trip up. See, they've been boxed in a corner. You know, and that's how the deep state works. They push you into these corners so that you can't move. And, you know, Comey said that too ooh, let's pull up that. He actually made that exact statement. I'm like, yeah, you go, boy. You just expose yourself by yourself. That sounds perfect. Uh, Where is that testimony? I have it. Hmm. Because if we look back at Comey's testimony, he said literally that. We don't pull their clearances right away. Uh, You know, Uh, We kind of put them in a box and see what they know and who they talk to, uh, you know, and that's how we work. Um, I will get you that quote right now. That's, you know, like I said, if you guys actually read, this is why I say I think people are wearing different glasses because when you see see things like hear things, uh, hear reports or like read that report from the AG from New York saying she's weaponizing her office, I don't see how anybody else doesn't see that. You've got to be wearing crazy glasses that make you see something different, you know? So here, here's... Okay, I just wanted to reiterate that. You know which one I'm talking about, right? Letitia James, she was running for Attorney General and she ran on the campaign that I'm going to get Trump! It's like, hold on a second. You're the Attorney General, you're running for Attorney General for the state of New York and you are running campaigning that you're going to weaponize your office to get at the President of the United States. What? And when that was being said, nobody was talking about it. And I'm sure, you know, more than half of you didn't even know she said that. And, you know, 75% of and the rest of you, the rest of the 50% that knew about it, only 10% of you were actually miffed about it and said, what? That? That's not right. She shouldn't even be allowed to run. But nobody was really talking about it. It's like, um, hello? Um, how does someone run like that? Here's the question from Cummings. In your experience at the FBI, when the FBI learned that an individual who had an active security clearance might be a risk to our national security, did the FBI follow the standard procedure I described and suspend that individual's security clearance pending investigation? Comey says, well, obviously, I can't comment on the particulars of the Flynn case. Cummings, Right. Comey, but in general, would that be, no, go ahead. A normal response would be to suspend their clearance, but there may be operational reasons why you wouldn't do that. Say you have somebody inside the FBI you might think is a spy. You don't want to alert them to the fact that you're onto them. Suspending their clearance might alert them that you're onto them. So you might instead just try to put them in a bit of a box and restrict the information are there without them knowing. Hmm. So. You know, uh, bottom line is he continues to say, would a suspension of clearance be significant there? Assuming you don't have that history, you just did it. He said, well, if we had someone in the FBI that we thought might be working with a foreign power for a foreign power, you want to stop the damage. And so that's why the normal practice absent ap- operational concerns would be to stop the damage by cutting off their access to information that they might give to the adversary. So basically, If you don't want, if you don't care about discovering their methods, remember I said the whole point is not being made as a spy. is people figuring out your methods or what you're doing or what Comey calls operational concerns, right? They want to know how you're working. So that's the only time that they'll pull your clearance is that they already know your methods, so they don't need to find out. Speaking of pulling clearances, On January 6th, the Chief of Staff of Vice President Pence was barred from entering the White House. Now, I can find my episode from 2018 and 2019 where I told you guys about Pence. And I've said it before. I always uh, have faith. I always pray for those that are lost. I have love for every single person, even the most damaged. And boy, does God know that I struggle with that as a person Um, because I have some serious forgiving to do. And and you know what? I I already came to the conclusion that one individual, I will never be able to forgive in my life. And I'll probably take that salty to my grave forever. But um, I always, you know, had hope that some form of redemption could come because when you see so much good, so much light, And you know that if you do not bend down and beg for forgiveness, if you do not try to do the good, it won't be the fattest lamb you get slaughtered to eat. (laughs) You'll be the one on the chopping block. And see, I always hold out for that. And I always hope for that. Always. I always do. And that's something we should all strive for and not be pessimistic and always hope that those that do bad will come out to do good. Now, there are some people that are so far gone, it can't be fixed, like John Brent. That dude can't be fixed because he's got everything on the line. And and the thing is, dude, look at your age. You've got two feet in the grave. Where are you going? Do you have like eternal... I'm going to keep that to myself for now. (laughs) Let's just leave it. But redemption is the biggest thing. And we always have to have faith that that happens. That at the last minute, Someone will try to redeem themselves. But just like all these years that this administration has been in power, the president has been under constant attack. I've mentioned this example before. He probably wakes up in the morning and looks at the glass of water next to his bed and thinks, shit, can I drink that? All the people around him advise him wrong. All the people around him want him gone. But you know what he is? He's a freaking juggernaut. And I want to use the Teflon, Don, because I like it. Because he's strong. And he doesn't care. And he watches everything. And the one thing he freaking loves is crow, just like me. Crow is the best dish to serve. Crow, crow, crow. Now, over a year and a half ago, when I first got into it with Ali Akbar, I said... You know, you need to change your ways. You know, you have a chance to like not be a disgusting human being. You know when I told him this? When he was in Minnesota with Laura Loomer in 2018. I told him this. I said, you don't have to be a piece of shit, right? You can be a good person. You can use your clout that you've stolen from other people with blackmail and actually do good. Because if you don't, I can guarantee you, your ass is going to be in jail so fast. Because what you're about to do Is treason. And he looked at me. He's like, I don't know how exposing Ilhan Omar here with Jacob Wall is treason. I was like, dude, I don't know if you've heard this before, but I kind of could tell the future. And I'm telling you where you're going with it. So every now and then I would talk about him and say what a piece of crap he is. And I would sit there and tell the world what a piece of crap he is and how they shouldn't listen to his rubbish because he's going to do things that nobody wants him to do. I don't even think the left wanted that to happen. I don't think the left wanted people to get shot. I don't think the left wanted people to not be heard. The real left, like the real, not the loonies, not the paid agitators. We're talking the lefties, the tree huggers that, you know, identifies a hundred things. I think at core, they believe that protesting is okay. I mean, look at the media. They torched St. John's. They torched it. And they didn't say shit, okay? They didn't say shit. And people walk into the Capitol and they, st- well, obviously the regular people were surrounding it with families and all full of love. It was a few people with the hammers and the bats and the crowbars that did the damage that came with a very specific group of people that you will be knowing about next week. The, the, the thing that the, the week that's coming, right. That means in like two days. Okay. Starting Monday. You know, the fact that they knew that people were going to be going there because Ali Akbar had advertised it, hijacked the March for Trump group and added it on his advertisement when he wasn't supposed to. And I know for a fact that the organizers had said they had nothing to do with it. He was pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. So we know who did it. We know how they did it. And I knew he was going to do it. I told him. You don't have to be a piece of shit. And he was really upset. Because he was sitting there causing harm to my friend that I didn't like, you know. And I kind of told him in a nice way, in a very nice way. But I did say, don't be a piece of shit. Because what you're going to do going forward is going to be, you're going to end up in jail for treason. And, you know, he laughed, obviously, because he was in the presence of other people. I would never do anything. I'm so this. If you go back, because that scammy guy deletes his tweets. You'll see how he tells the world the President Trump listens to him. You'll see how he criticizes the president on what he does. Because you know what? He listens to everyone that's around him in the administration. You know, the staffers and everything. that really don't know what's going on. The real game is played by the real players. And real players, like President Trump, are 20 million steps ahead. Now, many people would probably say, Tori, this is nuts. There's no way. I mean, your friend, you know, has said it. Uh, we've heard you know, how it came out of Patrick Byrne. He even said it. And I'm like, yes, there's always a face we show to everyone. We never, ever, ever show our card, And we strike when we look the weakest. But what we had to do was find out who was on our side as a people. Because the one thing that we have to do as a people is not abandon the man that stood by us For these past four years, taking errands, arrows, cannons, fucking everything was shot at him. Everything, the global media against him. They even threw a plandemic, infodemic, a controller virus to tank the economy he created. They tanked the whole world to take us down because they needed the whole world down to take us down with them. That's how it works. Think about it. Look at all of the coordination that is coming through. All of the coordination. You saw the UN flag being flown on 10 Downing Street. That's the equivalent of the UN flag flying at the White House. Idiots were telling me, oh, it was in honor of some dude at the UN that died. Who gives a shit? You're not going to take down your country's flag and roll up the UN flag. Maybe you'll put it at half mass or maybe you'll put a banner. You don't take down... The, the, the U.S. flag from the White House and throw up the U.N. one as in honor of. Are you kidding? No. It meant it was their territory. That was England telling you that they had fallen. That's the way it is. They fell. And the people that are in control of every single thing are the corporations. Can you see their power being yielded now? And those vaginas of elected people turned on the president, and they're what? Happy that we're not on Twitter? dude. We're not going to tell you on Twitter. We're going to come to your office. We're going to bombard you with emails. We are going to gather the signatures and get you out. We are taking back this nation with our president, like it or not. You can have your fake virtual inauguration, whatever you want. But I'm going to tell you, and you can put your CGI. You bet your bottom dollar I will have eyes for that inauguration. And, oh, there might be a storm and nobody can turn up. So we'll just do it virtually. Because there's nobody that's going to come out in the numbers that we came out for the president. And you know what? We'll be watching the money, too. So when you start slamming down money and paying for buses, we'll be all over that. And guess what? You can have your freaking Twitter. We'll have our gab. Because we're going to be gabbing and gabbing and gabbing and gabbing gabbing until our faces turn blue, talking about everything. And we're in charge. Maybe we'll all decide as one people to say, you know what? We don't want to pay taxes. Come get us. All of us at the same time. Come get us. What are you going to do when you have no paycheck? Let's guess. You're going to get more loans because we're not in debt enough. That's how it goes. Now, Newsmax is supposed to have aired the president of the United States um, speaking today, addressing us, but he hasn't. I heard that the president of the United States is going to be using Telegram. Ergo, why Tory created the Telegram group to bring you on to talk. It wasn't just for fringes sharing really inappropriate means because I do belong to a lot of groups like that, that have very inappropriate memes. Totally. The memes. I totally love them. Um, but he's going to be using uh, telegram. I don't know how he's going to be using it. Parlors going and there's going to be a new internet. I don't know if you guys have seen Patrick Berge's um, national public internet show, but it <laughs> seems like it's going to be a reality soon. But anyway, uh, let's, Move it, okay, since he hasn't come on yet, and all they're doing is revisiting Reagan, that's what's up. Uh, I thought that we can move along to what I wanted to talk to you guys about and teach you about today, um in regards to game theory and um deception. So, as you saw, game theory in layman terms was giving options and knowing the outcomes. Well, I want to show you one of the greatest deceptions uh, ever conducted in a war, right? And that's uh, Operation Fortitude. So I want you guys to um, watch this great historic video of the greatest deception of World War II called Operation Fortitude.
6: Late on the night of June 5th, 1944, the German Army headquarters in occupied France began to receive reports of enemy parachutists drifting from the sky and landing east of Cannes across a swath of northwestern France that included Coutances, Bologna, and saint Assuming that the parachutists signaled the first wave of a more massive push by the Allies, the Nazi brass ordered their 7th Army unit to increase their numbers and be prepared for an all-out invasion. However, General Hans Speidel then decreased the level of alert when subsequent reports began to trickle in with a curious addendum. So far, all of the parachutists that had touched down had turned out to be cloth dummies. The Allies' top secret Operation Fortitude was in full swing and Germany was belatedly realizing that it had prepared to do battle with the world's largest phantom army. One that would never show up, because it had never really existed at all. D-Day. Tuesday, June 6th, 1944. It's a date etched in military history, and one of the most crucial turning points in modern history. Operation Overlord was the name of the Allied invasion of Normandy that took on the might of Nazi Germany. The infamous Normandy landings themselves were codenamed Operation Neptune, but it's best remembered in the world's collective memory as D-Day. D-Day remains the largest seaborne invasion in military history. Although not an immediate success in the first day, the attack did eventually allow Allied forces to push into occupied France and go on to win the war on the Western Front. And how exactly was it possible for the Allies to land 156,000 soldiers on the shores of France, and to essentially catch the occupying German forces by surprise, it was largely thanks to some crafty deception and brilliant subterfuge. Military fortitude, British style. With Britain so geographically close to France, the Germans obviously knew that at some stage, the Allies would launch an invasion across the English Channel to mainland Europe. They simply didn't know how to pinpoint where the attack would land. That's how the British concocted their devious scheme to draw all attention away from northwestern Normandy. This deception plan for D-Day would be codenamed Operation Fortitude, which in turn was part of a broader overall deception strategy known as Operation Bodyguard. Fortitude was comprised of two parts, with the first being Fortitude North, which was meant to fool the Germans into thinking that the Allies would launch an attack on Nazi-occupied Norway. The second part was Fortitude South, which was concocted to convince the Germans that an invasion would occur in the Pas de Calais area of Northeast Normandy. Pas de Calais seemed the obvious choice, as is where England and France are closest in proximity. Various sub-operations also comprised Operation Fortitude, all adding to the subterfuge of misinformation. This web of operations and sub-operations were the brainchild of the British Intelligence Services, or MI6's, 20 Committee. The principal means by which the Germans were duped during Operation Fortitude could be boiled down to two words, secrets and dummies. Secrets and Lies. First, the secrets by which the Allies deliberately let the Germans get hold of false secret information with spies and double agents, as well as via exchanges with neutral countries. The Allies were no doubt inspired by the words of the great Chinese strategist Sun Tzu, who said, All warfare is based on deception. Double agents were instrumental in Operation Fortitude. They delivered false information to reinforce this deceit both before and after the Normandy landings. The Twenty Committee referred to this as the double-cross system, whereby German intelligence agents in Britain were turned to work for MI6 in cooperation with the British Security Service, or MI5. One of the most famous of these agents was Juan Pujol Garcia, a native of Catalonia and a staunchly pro-British double agent. Nicknamed Garbo and mostly based out of Lisbon, Portugal, which was a neutral country. Garcia created and oversaw a network of no less than 26 imaginary agents were are supposedly supplying him with information on allied preparations.
0: Are you listening to that? So I want you to just sit for a second, okay? Sit for a second and think about this. So they used fake agents' personas, feeding this agent, supposed information to smoke them out. So they were feeding them bad intel, knowingly bad intel, that had enough tangible that they believed that it was real. Okay, I want you guys to see, just like Sun Tzu says, all warfare, there has to be deception. And actually, actually had this conversation, like I said, with Patrick Berge in the car, where I was telling him, stop. You know, we need to find a way to hijack them back. And so a psyop on a psyop on a psyop. So it would be the counter, counter, counter psyop. <laughs> right. Um, There has to be a way. So we were just throwing out theories and, you know, he was like, you know, you were you were raised and trained in deception and it's like, yeah, I was trained in war. And so I want you guys to understand how war is played. It's all fake, fake news, fake media, fake tips, fake spies, fake information.
6: He would in turn pass on this false information to the Germans. Roger Hesketh, author of the book Fortitude, the D-Day Deception Plan, had this to say about the German spies in Britain in the lead-up to D-Day. Quote, The spies that had been established in Britain had, without exception, fallen under the control of the security services MI5. Every agent that had been infiltrated into the country had been picked up and in the counterintelligence argot, turned. The Allies knew that their secrets were working when a decrypted transmission between the Japanese ambassadors to Berlin and And Nazi Germany's high command recounted a conversation with Hitler, which revealed that the Germans indeed expected an Allied invasion via the streets of Dover to the Pas-de-Calais region. And so a mock invasion was launched by the Allies from Dover on June 5th to give credibility to this myth, while the real invasion took place the next day.
0: So this mock invasion began on the 5th, right? In order to give credibility to the fake news that they had pushed out. So they actually created evidence for the fakeness of what they were going to do. You're paying attention? So you always send in the decoys. They know that they're... uh, So what would you call them? Crisis soldiers?
6: (laughs) Watch. Many historians believe that Operation Fortitude was so successful because it was a closed-loop plan. The British controlled not only the information going forward to the Germans, but they were also able to verify the exact extent to which the Germans believed the false information they were being fed. This enviable advantage for the British was due to two factors. Firstly, as stated, the British had achieved complete control of all German agents in England by 1940. Secondly, the British were able to read encrypted German message traffic, often as quickly as the intended recipients themselves. MI6's 20 Committee made sure that the Nazi case officers of Double Agents were supplied with fabricated information, which was dutifully passed on to German Armed Forces High Command, known as the OKW. The 20 Committee did this by means of an impressive radio or wireless deception plan, by which the Committee first fabricated information to be fed to the Double Agents and to the wireless deception units. The agents then passed the information to their German controllers, whose wireless units broadcast the lies across the OKW and German Military Intelligence, or Abwehr. The result was a system based on what was dubbed controlled leakage of information, which MI5 referred to as special means. The Germans even inadvertently helped British intelligence by providing their so-called Nazi agents with questionnaires. These questionnaires provided MI5 and MI6 with valuable information regarding future German operations, as well as whatever intelligence the Abwehr already had. This effort greatly aided British work in decrypting German secret codes. An almost comically fortuitous bonus for the British was that the payments the Abwehr was making to what it thought were German agents in England were instead often used to fund British intelligence efforts. The German intelligence system was notoriously convoluted, and with their deceptive operations, the 20 Committee was able to breach this maze of German operations by the use of intercepts of Nazi-coded messages, thanks to the famous breaking of the Nazis' Enigma coding machine. All of this deception allowed British intelligence to evaluate the effect of their falsified stories, and even to modify those stories that were not registering as believable by the Germans.
0: So are you seeing game theory here applied? So they would give fake information and they would see how they would respond to it. And then depending on their response, they would give other fake information or redirect. See, it's all game theory, but it's not a game. This is not a game. Do you think it's a game? It's not. But it's called game theory because it is, in essence, you know, survival of the fittest, the best, the smartest. It's like chess on another level. Othello on another level, (laughs) whatever, Monopoly on another level with very strict rules and not having me as a banker. So, this is it. You are watching a sting operation they conducted on Hitler, which, like it or not, history actually tells you was created by them themselves. So, this was the ultimate way to prime the way to create corporations. Remember that.
6: German Dummies. Then there were the many dummies set up by the Allies to dupe the Germans. This subterfuge refers to the fake military units that were set up in England, sometimes with fake tanks and inflatable airplanes. For example, real tanks were replaced by dummy tanks when they were moved from their holding areas. The inflatable decoys made the Germans think that the Allies had far more tanks than they actually did. This also helped mask the final preparations being made for the invasion of Normandy. These deception techniques using dummy equipment had previously been used to good effect in North Africa from 1941 to 1942 and prior to the Allied landings in Italy in 1943. As part of Fortitude South, the Allies created the fictitious 1st US Army Group, FUSAG, an imaginary force based in Kent in Southeast England, and allegedly being commanded by the famously top American military icon, General Patton.
0: So there was an imaginary military group. Are you getting this? Imaginary military group that psyoped Hitler so that the, the good guys can get stuff done. So there was an imaginary one created as a decoy Right, as a decoy, to PSYOP Hitler.
6: Fake radio traffic and decoy equipment, which included the aforementioned inflatable tanks and dummy landing craft, mimicked preparations typical of a large-scale invasion. And it seemed to be aimed at the Pas-de-Calais region of France, or so the Germans thought. There were also dummy or fake movements of troops and even false attacks on German-occupied France. For example, in the months leading up to D-Day, Allied bombers attacked road and rail networks in an attempt to isolate the invasion area. Additional attacks were made on other parts of northern France. The objective was to divert the attention of the Nazi occupiers away from northwest Normandy. The theater of war. Other sub-operations abounded as part of Operation Fortitude. For example, Operation Taxable saw Britain's Royal Air Force, or RAF, number no. 617 Air Squadron, drop metal strips along the French coast to confuse German radar. These strips were codenamed window, also known as chaff and they proved invaluable. They were a radar countermeasure in which aircraft or other targets spread a cloud of small, thin pieces of aluminum, metallized glass fiber, or plastic throughout an area. This chaff would appear as either a cluster of primary targets on radar screens, or would swamp the screen with multiple returns. Operation Taxable also included a dummy operation by the British Navy. It was staged to look to Germans like an invasion convoy approaching the coast at Cap d'Antifer, over a hundred miles northeast of where the actual landings occurred. Operation Glimmer also involved a similar chaff-dropping exercise, this time by the 218th Squadron. Six motor launches were also used to simulate an invasion convoy heading for Bologna in the direction of Pas-de-Calais. As already noted with the decrypted Japanese ambassador cables, this was specifically designed to make it appear as if the Allies were invading from the shortest crossing point in the channel between England and France. As part of Operation Titanic, the RAF dropped dummy parachutists over northern France to simulate an airborne invasion on the night of June 5th to 6th, and thus drew German forces away from critically important defense strategies. For this operation, a force of 40 aircraft dropped dummy parachutists to make it look like an airborne landing. 200 dummy parachutists were dropped southwest of Cannes, and 200 more southwest of Dieppe in France's far northeast. These dummy parachutists were in reality lifeless cloth bags containing an explosive charge that destroyed the cloth figure by setting it on fire. This made it look like a soldier had burnt the parachute and possibly lay hidden, ready for action. There were also supposedly heated radio conversations between Allied commanders regarding supposed invasion tactics that were, in fact, wholly falsified. Their sole intent was to further entrench the German belief that the Allies were set to either launch their attack via Norway or the Patekale area of Normandy. In fact, these dummy operations regarding troop movements and aided by radar countermeasures were carried out, even at the same time as the actual Allied landings were beginning on June 6th. All of these shenanigans encouraged the Germans to build new bunkers and to reinforce their so-called Atlantic wall Along the Côte d'Opal, in the Pas-de-Calais region of Normandy, the Germans had been duped into overestimating the strength of the Allied forces in Britain, particularly in the southeast, and believed that a far larger invasion was being planned with the area around Calais as the intended target. This helped the Allies achieve the critical element of surprise and kept German reinforcements away from Normandy, both on D-Day and in the weeks that followed. The Germans were further hindered by their highly fractured and competing intelligence services, which often hampered the intelligence efforts to the point of being almost useless. Even long after the Normandy landings, Adolf Hitler retained his best troops in Pas-de-Calais, expecting an even more massive invasion at a later date. That never occurred, of course. And by then, the Allies were already making their way towards Berlin. Wow. Thanks for watching, Dark Docs. Wow. Please like and subscribe to support the channel and our mission to tell cinematic stories about dark and obscure moments from history.
0: So that was pretty interesting, right? So here's where it gets even more interesting. Okay, think about it. What they did was... They took, they convinced Hitler that they were going in in one place, but they were going into another, right? They had blown up dummies. They had fake soldiers standing up, sticks and stones, you name it. They had it. It was all fake. So Hitler decided the army's big and we're going to attack here. We're going to do all this and we're going to have all the losers, you know, jump in on it. Now I want you to take, that strategy, that amazing OSS strategy. When the OSS was disassembled and then they created the CIA. Nobody said that the OSS was dead though. Let's just keep that in check. Now, it's perceived and actual. Remember that. there's a perceived and actual, <laughs> you know, So it always had different names. I mean, Clinton wanted to declassify it. Obama did. He just never got around to getting it all done. So I want you to think about it. Think about the bigger picture of what I just showed you. All right. The globalist cabal, the deep state, the shadow government, you know, which is a hard pill for any American to swallow. To actually understand that there are organizations that are above our own government institutions. One can't fathom it. That's just a conspiracy. But it's true. I worked for one of those organizations. I've said it. There is a government within a government that nobody talks about, that nobody wants to talk about, and that's the damn truth. Now, you are seeing them come out with their teeth. The OSS is not the CIA. The OSS was smarter, right? They did all that. So now, let's go to 2020. Let's go to 2016, November 10th. When they were deciding how to do this, so they were going to counter, op- they, they created an operation against the operation that the people deployed, which was electing President Trump and taking control of their nation. So they had a counter operation for our operation, which was we have our country in control and we took away your stupid fake algorithm machines. We didn't let you deploy script and change votes because someone clipped that cable and you had lights out. So your algorithm broke, and Project Raines failed. Well, you needed a counter-op. So what you did was deploy one of the most massive psyops using the Shadownet. Massive. Everywhere. You had the White House, staffers, admin, cabinet, FBI, DOJ, CIA. You named the agency, you had a clown in it, and he was running point. But. If there was a shadow government working against us, think, would there not be a cloud <laughs> government working for us? I mean, if you got a positive, you got a negative to keep that balance. So, I mean, if you think of it in this set, in this state, right, that we're at, and you apply Operation Fortitude to today's, wouldn't it mean... That there was a counter-op to their counter-op to their counter-op? Wouldn't it mean that something was successful since this president, Tim, he had roadblocks everywhere. They were shredding everything. They were getting rid of everything. They were impeaching him. They were 25th Amendment him. We did a whole show on that. I told you that was coming, didn't I? Told you, Jamie Raskin, you and your stupid little ideas and Pelosi panicking right now. Think. If you apply it, you just saw history in the making again. Only it's the more modern version, right? Because every single war, every single tragedy is just modernized. Okay, we used to go out into the dirt roads where they sold bread, and someone wiped their nose on their sleeve when they handed you food. You know, two hundred years ago, and then a hundred years ago, you know, we were gathering around in cafes and squares. And then, you know, suddenly we changed it to diners and McDonald's. And now we're in the cyberspace. So everything's more modern now. Modern. But, you know, the only thing that doesn't modernize and doesn't adapt is evil. Evil believes they control everything. So everything is the same. So they repeat the same damn plan. So you always trust their plan. It's, they never veer from it because it's been a tried and tested recipe. It's like getting that recipe from your grandma for cookies You do it off by one thing, it doesn't taste the same. So they just stick with it. But the thing about good and light is that it's malleable, it's adaptive. And, well, the goal is good, so it fears nothing. Whereas those that have malintent, well, yeah, they're scared. They know what's up. Um, I guess maybe the president is not addressing us today because all we're seeing is uh, Ronald Reagan. So I'll just continue with whatever... I had in store for you. So now that you saw deception in action, um, I think I'll introduce you guys to the myth of Ourovoros. But first, I'm going to take you to the infographic show again. And I'm going to teach you about Black Ops and the world's most dangerous soldiers. Want to hear about that? Why is that important? Because we hear Black Operation, which means darks. Dark, Okay but they are very dangerous. I mean, we don't have a very good reputation. (laughs) Not at all. Um, Especially those that lack the conscious. Um, Especially those that I've said it before, right? The most dangerous type of person you'll ever meet is someone that doesn't answer to a higher deity. For someone that doesn't believe that they have consequences, for someone that doesn't believe in their core, that there are some moral lines in their life. Those are the scariest people. The people that can make excuses as to why something bad happens. So let's learn about September 12th, 1943 and the legendary Nazi operative Otto Skorzeny that boarded a glider. Let's take a listen to it. 1943, legendary Nazi
5: operative. Otto Scorzini boarded a glider along with a task force of hand-picked SS troopers on a mission to rescue Italian dictator Benito Mussolini from allied custody. Surprising the 200 defending Carbonieri guards by landing their gliders just outside the mountaintop ski resort serving as temporary prison, Scorzini successfully seized Mussolini without a single shot being fired and spirited him away to an awaiting twin-seat plane. Under strict orders to personally return Mussolini to German custody, Scorzini refused to leave Mussolini's side and forced the pilot, at gunpoint, to take off with the three of them squeezed into the small plane. Careening towards a cliff, the overloaded plane barely managed to lift off in the thin mountain air just before running out of ground and falling to the valley below. Scorzini's raid to rescue Mussolini became the stuff of wartime legend and a template for what would become a new yet old form of warfare, irregular or asymmetrical war. Today we know these high-risk operations by elite military forces as black operations, but mankind has engaged in these covert ops for as long as he has been waging war. Whether sneaking soldiers inside a city via a giant hollow wooden horse, or infiltrating a hostile nation to eliminate the world's most wanted terrorists, black operations share several defining characteristics that set them apart from regular military operations. Firstly, black operations are so-called because of their highly secretive nature. This secrecy is necessary to ensure the element of surprise and exploit an enemy's vulnerabilities. But during the Cold War, black operations also took on a new dimension of secrecy, that of plausible deniability. During decades of proxy wars between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, it became imperative for both sides to engage in covert military action and yet retain the ability to deny or at least make a convincing argument for non-involvement. This required elite soldiers who took on the risks of operating without any unit or national insignia nor identifying documents. While plausible deniability ensured a nation could limit its embarrassment or the repercussions if an operation went south, It also put its operatives at great risks as they would not be protected by Geneva wartime conventions. The second characteristic of a black op is its engagement in asymmetrical warfare tactics. Special forces and covert operatives differ from regular soldiers in that they are specialized in fighting wars in ways that violate the norm of soldiers facing off against other soldiers. Asymmetrical warfare involves everything from recruiting and training partisan guerrillas behind enemy lines, eliminating or kidnapping enemy VIPs, sabotage and destruction of high-value targets and conducting psychological warfare against enemy troops or the civilian population often these tactics draw comparison to terrorist actions and truthfully the difference between the two can sometimes be fuzzy at best israeli operatives for instance have long engaged in the assassination of iranian nuclear scientists eliminating their targets by poison gunshot and one of israel's favorite tactics pulling up to a target's car in traffic while riding in a motorcycle and tossing in a high explosive before speeding away While the aim of Israel's black operations are ultimately to prevent a nuclear Iran and maintain regional peace and stability, it should not surprise anyone that Arabs often refer to the actions of these operatives as terrorist in nature. Black operations also differ from other covert operations and that they often involve a significant degree of deception meant to mask the identity of the perpetrator or to make it seem as if someone else was responsible. After it became obvious that Montenegro's 2016 election would favor the incumbent president who would go ahead with Montenegro's ascension to NATO, a Russian-backed coup attempt was initiated involving 20 Serbian and Montenegrin citizens along with two Russian operatives.
0: Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Let's just stop it right there. Wait a minute. So Montenegro was going to go into NATO, but there was a guy that was going into office that was going to be putting, oh, taken out. And then suddenly their elections were infiltrated. That's why the guy got out. So it was hacked. Wait, wait a minute. Did they just say it just happened? Where were you? Did you know about this? Because like I said many, many times before, my affidavit said, I know a lot about elections in other countries. And these are weapons. And we went over how terrorism, terrorism is is not different to us. A PSYOP is terrorism. Control of virus is terrorism. Fear is terrorism. That is how, what terrorism is at its core is weaponizing fear. Weaponizing fear. You have nothing to be fearful for because you can stand. But they weaponize the fear. Weaponizing fear, remember that, is terrorism. So every time someone tells you something about the controller virus, remember, it's just a psyop. They're weaponizing fear.
5: Though the coup ultimately failed, it took months of investigation for Montenegro and NATO to trace the attempt back to Russian state agencies. This likely came as little surprise to everyone involved, as Russia had recently issued direct threats against Montenegro should it join NATO. While the Montenegrin coup failed, it bore all the hallmarks of a black operation. By severing any direct links to its two operatives, it became incredibly difficult to find any physical evidence linking the two Russian suspects back to Russia. This is similar to other, more kinetic black ops, where troops are deployed bearing no insignia and wearing nondescript or non-identifying uniforms. Kind of like,
0: kind of like the stuff we saw at the Capitol, but let's just take it back a second. Wait a minute. So what you're saying is the Russians did it, but the it was really hard to track it back to really it being Russia because everyone was... So many parts. You mean like that dossier where it was Steele who gave a report to Yahoo that made it verifiable, circular reporting, of course. I tell you something, you put it in the news, therefore it's true, right? Because the news are truth, right? And if everybody thinks something, it has to be true, right? And if everybody's saying it, it has to be true, right? So they know that people follow the crowd. It's groupthink. It's normal. You've been conditioned all your life, unless you're over the age of 80, you know, well, I mean I could probably say a hundred. Uh you know, after nineteen thirty three, dang them xyobs is cray cray. But and they were old school, right? That's damn. Uh <laughs> back then there were no rights and well we had rights, but they were a lot more difficult to put through. But anyway, I digress. So what we have been experiencing is an operation against the people. But there's also been a counter operation for that operation against the people. And then for that operation, there was a counter operation, which then had another counter operation. So it's kind of like Inception with a lot of psyops. Just think of it that way. So many psyops, you're just like, all right, where can I sit to not be mind jacked? Tell me, Tori. And I'm going to tell you nowhere except for in your bed and just trusting your gut this is why it's very important see the one thing we always hear is when you know when you when you watch on tv and the chick is like did you cheat on me let me check your phone it's probably because she cheated on him and thought about it right and she's getting suspicious and who are you texting who are you emailing who are you calling right right but those people that are honest aren't worried about stuff like that and it's very important you remember that people that are honest aren't worried about what shits on their phone or their computer if their loved one or i don't know the citizens want to take a look at it
5: the shroud of secrecy involved not only gave russia the plausible deniability it needed to defer some of the repercussions or at least it would have if russia hadn't tipped its hand once before by directly threatening the target but it also helped bring the coup attempt frighteningly close to success But the Montenegrin coup attempt also bore another hallmark of black ops, the use of asymmetrical warfare. For a full year before the actual attempt, Russian operatives had been busy at work recruiting Serbian and Montenegrin nationals to infiltrate the nation and its political system. Using the same full court press that Russia would later launch against the American election, Montenegro came under the siege of information warfare, with false news stories being fed into the media that favored the Russian agenda of removing the current government.
0: Oh my gosh. It's almost as if they're talking about what we've been going through. Oh, no. Oh, and by the way, one of the affidavits talked about the elections being hacked in Serbia and Montenegro and how those outlets were being used because Brennan, who, by the way, tweeted out today so nicely. What a nice threat he put out. And let me read it to you. Anyone now seeking national redemption by claiming to no longer support Trump must acknowledge how wrong it was to ignore and enable this corrupt, dishonest, and divisive agenda. Total denunciation of a despot's legacy is necessary to eradicate any remaining maling- malignancy. So it's like, yo, Ted Cruz, you said that, you. Oh, did you hear Ted Cruz? Yeah, you know, I didn't really like what he would say and stuff like that. And I bend the knee. He never fucking lifted his knee anyway. He was just pretending. I told you. Human suit. and looked itchy in it. So he's threatening everyone. You better denounce him 100 million percent or else you're toast. That's actually, hey, you people, you're watching me because, you know, I got the goods on everybody, and you know I had all your information overseas, and you know I can do everything, and you know, look at me, look at me, never going to get this, never going to get this, right? You know, like Borat did in Kazakhstan, my sister, you're never going to get this. That's what Brennan's doing to you. Denounce him or else you're going to a gulag. Hmm? You think that's far-fetched? You just wait. Wait. It's going to be a little bit of a rocky road till I think I told you guys last year that it's going to be great around the 21st to 23rd of February. So just be patient. Turbulent waters ahead.
5: Fake news would become particularly effective across social media with thousands of false news items and videos being created and shared across Twitter, Facebook and other popular social media. Awash in disinformation, Russian operatives then stirred up national protests in mid-October of 2015, culminating in full-blown riots on the 24th of October. Russia's Montenegro operation didn't kill anyone and did not employ what is traditionally known as kinetic warfare. Instead, it relied on secrecy and asymmetrical warfare to achieve national objectives.
0: You mean a civil, civil war, right? You mean there was no bloodshed, but there was a war fought. And that was the war of the minds of the people. Hmm. Exactly what they've been, been doing to you. So if your mind was actually a body and you could see bullets, going through it with all the psi warfare that they've attacked you with using the shadow net it would be like the colander that you drain your pasta with probably even worse probably even worse
5: making it a true black op and showing that despite popular media black operations very often are less violent and more manipulative than one might expect With the rise of the internet, it has become easier than ever for nations to engage in black operations against each other, targeting everything from national military or government secrets to a nation's financial or energy networks. As our world has become more and more connected, so too has it become one with dozens of undeclared secret wars, and the civilian population is all too often a casualty of these non-kinetic black operations. Running a stealth operation in hostile territory can be pretty difficult business, but you know what isn't difficult? Making a fantastic website with Wix. With an easy to use yet robust layout that lets you create the perfect Yeah, web- I
0: need to dig that off because they're going to ding me for, uh, what is it called? A promotion on YouTube for not saying that it's promoted and I'm not promoting it. Um, so as you can see, they've explained to you what has happened to you and how it happens. Basically. Uh, this is how we hijack your mind. This is what we do. And this is how everything is done. Now, um, in 2018, I had said, you know, I'm a linguist, but I'm a mathematician first. Um, that, that, that is what I like to call myself a linguist. I, I, I'm a scientist, right? We're educated as a scientist and a linguist. I like to think myself as a linguist first, but a linguist with numbers. Because every single language is number-based. Everything has to do with numbers. So I thought we'd um, end this uh you know, spontaneous episode. Uh well, it's like a weekend review with a an introduction. Uh, and it's not that good, but it's the origins and the lore of Urovoros. Urovoros in Greek means eating your tail. So it's that continuous snake eating its tail. So I thought I would introduce you to that concept, uh, since the president isn't speaking from what I see today. And that way, uh, I can introduce you to that because on Monday and Tuesday, we're going to bring it back this week. You're going to understand more about what myths and lures were really telling you and how this applies now, because what you need, I can sit here and tell you what the news are telling you. And you're just going to be slitting your wrists. Right. You just have to wait to listen to your president. Regardless, your president is going to talk to you. This is going to happen. It's going to be a bumpy ride. And I'll be here to give you the tools so you can see it. The one thing you have to maintain is faith. Faith in that good always wins. Um, you know, there are certain sayings that people tell you. Uh, and they're for the purpose of discouraging you. So we're going to listen and slash watch to the origins and lore of the Ourovoros. So it means the tail eating your tail. <laughs>
7: The Ouroboros is a Greek word meaning tail devourer. It is one of the oldest mystical symbols in the world. It can be perceived as enveloping itself, where the past, as the tale, appears to disappear, but really moves into an inner domain or reality, vanishing from view, but still existing. The Ouroboros has several meanings interwoven into it. Foremost is the symbolism of the serpent biting, devouring, or eating its own tail. This symbolizes the cyclic nature of the universe, creation out of destruction, life out of death. The Ouroboros eats its own tail to sustain its life in an eternal cycle of renewal. It is sometimes depicted in the shape of a figure eight as well. The serpent biting its own tail is first seen as early as 1600 years BC in Egypt as a symbol of the sun and represented the travels of the sun disk. From there, it moved to the Phoenicians and then to the Greeks who gave it its name, Ouroboros, which means devouring its tail. In mythology, the Ouroboros is a symbol representing the Milky Way galaxy. Myth refers to a serpent of light residing in the heavens the milky way is this serpent many ancients use the galaxy to calculate cosmic and earth cycles it is found in gnosticism and alchemy representing the cyclical nature of life and the fusion of opposites it also symbolizes the transcendence of duality and was related to the solar god abraxas and signified eternity in the soul of the world. In alchemy, it represents the spirit of mercury, the substance that permeates all matter and symbolizes continuous renewal. The cycle of life and death and harmony of opposites As a symbol of eternal unity of all things, the cycle of birth and death from which the alchemists sought release and liberation It unites opposites. The conscious and the unconscious mind in alchemy, the Ouroboros is also used as a purifying glyph. In an alchemical textbook, Christophia, which is gold making of Cleopatra, contains a drawing of the Ouroboros representing the serpent as half light, half dark, echoing symbols such as the yin and yang, which illustrates the dual nature of all things. But more importantly, that these opposites are not in conflict. The book is mainly centered around the idea of one is all, a concept that is related to hermetic wisdom. The Ouroboros symbolizes duality. And we know where duality derived from. and We will read this in Genesis, where from partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is where duality entered into men and sin and death entered into the world. Through the Ouroboros we see the representation of life through death is also represented by the phoenix rising from its ashes. We can attribute this to the Nephilim and the fallen angels. The fallen angels were chained in darkness below and the Nephilim, which disembodied spirits, roam the earth in dry places, as the Bible tells us. These entities want nothing more than to be rebirthed back onto the physical plane. Hence, the symbol of the Ouroboros symbolizes their nature and their wanting to be rebirthed onto this plane. Also, as we gaze up into the heaven, we may find the Ouroboros symbolized by the Milky Way galaxy belt above us. From what we understand and know now, the Hebrew cosmology... It is not a galaxy, but a belt of stars that is gathered together. Let us investigate and propose a theory of what this belt of stars may be and what the Bible may be pointing out to us. Let us read from Revelation chapter 12. This chapter is very interesting in that it is speaking of past, present, and future events. Let us start with reading from verse four and his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to earth and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born and she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up unto God to his throne and the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God, that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and threescore days. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels. And prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. What's interesting about what we read in Revelation 12 is the man-child that was brought forth was Jesus Christ. Satan's plan was basically defeated upon Calvary when Jesus died on the cross and conquered death. What is interesting to note in here is that some of these events have not fully happened yet. The war in heaven is continual and is still going on and being waged today satan and the rebel angels were cast out of the third high heaven and into the earth now through understanding the proper hebrew cosmology we can see exactly how this happened we know that god's kingdom resides atop the earth top of the firmament as we can read in psalms chapter 14 bless the lord o my soul o lord my god thou art very great Thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who coverest thyself with light as with a garment, who stretchest out the heavens like a curtain, who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh on the wings of the wind, who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever if we go back to revelations 12 9 we read that satan and his angels were cast out into the earth being cast out from heaven a realm that we cannot comprehend nor have much knowledge of except through what we read in the scriptures but from what we can read we can understand that to be cast out into the earth is essentially being barred from leaving the firmament and being barred from entering into god's realm if we look at polaris which is located directly at the center of earth it would be right below the top of the firmament dome directly in the center under god's throne we know the satan once had access to high heaven and that satan traveled about on earth as we can read in job chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. again there was a day when the sons of god came to present themselves before the lord And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, from whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro and in the earth and from walking up and down in it.
0: He's so dramatic, isn't he? So dramatic.
7: When Satan drew one-third of the angels with his tail, would it not seem likely that this belt of stars that we call the Dark Rift in the Milky Way just may be the location of these rebel angels? A belt of stars that just happens to form what looks like a serpent eating its tail. Does the Dark Rift not seem like a formation of a type of blockade in the heavens above? The word star in Hebrew is kokov. When we look at the stars, most of them appear to be round and somewhat iridescent. Each and every star is different and was created in its own glory. And God made them and named them all. By understanding what the stars are, we can see the meaning of stars in all the prophecies throughout the scriptures. Earlier, we had mentioned Abraxas. Now let us explore the meaning of what or who Abraxas may be. Abraxas was a word of mystic meaning in the system of the Gnostic Balisites, Being there applied to the great archon, the precepts of the 365 spheres, the word is found in Gnostic texts, such as the Holy Book of the Great Invisible Spirit, and also appears in the Greek Magical Papyri. It was engraved on certain antique gemstones, called on that account Abraxas stones, which were used as amulets or charms. This is what it looks like when written in Greek. If we go to Thayer's definition, it means the vaulted expanse of the sky with all things visible in it, the universe, the world, the aerial heavens or sky, the region or the clouds, and the tempests gather, where thunder and lightning are produced. What is very interesting to note is that the title, Precepts, The 365 spheres, precept is a Latin word meaning first in time or order, the first, foremost, chief, the most eminent, distinguished or noble, the first man, first person. As we view the heaven above and realize most of the stars are spheres, as the Hebrew word indicates, we are starting to see an interesting connection. Just who is the prince of the power of the air? We find this in the scriptures. We can read about the fall of Lucifer, or in the proper translation, the term meaning light-bearer, which was Satan's title before iniquity was found in him. We see that Lucifer was the covering cherub, the great archon, once the leader or chief of the angels. Now let us read in Ezekiel twenty-eight fourteen: Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so thou wast upon the holy mountain of God, thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. It is sure an interesting connection to what the Bible outlines and to what Abraxas means concerning the Abraxas stones and the reference to being the chief of the spheres. The seven letters spelling the name Abraxas may represent each of the seven planets, or as the Bible terms them, the wandering stars. Before we move forward, Let it be known that all Gnostic texts are a corruption and twisting of the true biblical accounts and truths. The writers of such texts and teachers of these texts are merely keeping the tradition of the mystery school's sacred knowledge and preserving the works of the fallen angels. Be extremely cautious of those whom teach from these Gnostic texts and those that attempt to claim that they are truth, as they are a skewed mirror of the biblical accounts. They compile the forbidden knowledge that derived straight from the fallen angels in the days of Noah. The Swiss psychiatrist Carl Jung wrote a short Gnostic treatise in 1916 called The Seven Sermons to the Dead, which called Abraxas the supreme power of being transcending both God and the devil and unites all opposites into one being. The holy book or unholy book of the great invisible spirit for instance, refers to Abraxas as an Aeon dwelling with Sophia and other Aeons of the Paloma Ducaeus in the light of the luminary Eleth, In several texts, the luminary Elth is the last of the luminaries or spiritual lights that come forward. And it is the Aeon Sophia associated with Eleth who encounters darkness and becomes involved in the chain of events that leads to the demiurge rule of the world and this savage effort that ensues. Abraxas is also where we derive the term abracadabra.
0: He was super dramatic, and I wanted to give you a more um, storytelling-type thing with myths, because myths and lures have a lot of truth to their foundation. And we're going to get into the Urovoros Code, which talks about coding. And it doesn't just talk about computer coding. It talks about molecular and genetic coding, looking at it as software code. And it's important for you to understand technology in that sense, because then you can understand how you operate. I've I've said this before, that uh, molecular, your body is code as well. It's just uh, biological code. And... Uh, I want you to start learning about this because it's very important, especially now with the control of virus and all these uh, medications that are coming. I mean, we have talked about CRISPR. I, I think uh, this March while everyone was waiting to find out what this is, is this, what's going on, how is it happening, what's what's it doing? I did a lot of shows. I think if you remember, it was the first week of March, and I told you this. Looks just like ma- malaria behaves way before anyone even talked about it, way before anything like that. And I had warned you two years in advance that you would be in the position where you would be locked in your home because everything is predictable. I mean, now they don't have Trojan horses sending in soldiers, you know, with lion cloths and a spear and a shield, but they invade your body. And don't forget, these corporations have been invading your body for decades, through your food in your water, your clothing, your soap, your hygiene products, your medications, they have done it all. So on that note, since the president didn't speak, you know, I told you guys yesterday it was happening and it's happening. And remember this, that it was on a Thursday that evil seemed to have won, right? Evil seemed to have won. And then it was on the third day that the resurrection happened, and that is where good started to show his really really amazing face right that's where good started to spread that's where everything changed after those three days so always have faith, always remember huh that you already knew about this months ago a year ago well that's if your ears were attuned to listening to it. So is it, there's radio silence, digital silence, television silence. What have we said? Trust your gut. Stop overthinking things. Because the best stories, bad decisions, as they say, always make the best stories. So what you... <laughs> trust your gut. Because, guys, this is war. And I've said this is going to be quite a bumpy ride. It's, it's unexpected. I mean, whatever you think 2020 was 2021's like, wait a minute, hold my beer. So on that note, good night, everyone. Tomorrow for my Twitch subscribers, we're all complaining. Oh, Amazon kicked it off and everything. Uh, It's only temporary. So it's done on purpose to show you the power that they yield. You have Brennan telling you that you must bow down and eat dirt and renounce him with every fiber of your body. Or else you're still mlingling. And now all the big corporations are flexing their muscles. Shut up, mere mortal. We control everything your food, your water, your technology. Watch us flex. And you should turn around and say, I'm good. Flex all you want. Clock's already started. Good night, everyone. <laughs>
4: Warning to the people, the good and
2: the evil, this is wrong. To the soldier, the civilian, the martyr and the victim.